Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from the Smut Studio in Venice Beach, California with my co-host, Joey. No chill, Prano. Hello, Andy. Good afternoon. I had to look. Sure. Yeah. I, As I've said many times, this is definitely still quarantine morning. 1 o'clock? 1.30? One, what time is it? 1.45? We got another 45 minutes till noon quarantine. I like your three-hour rule. Yeah, two and a half, three hours, four hours, you know. Most days, honestly, I will go to like, I'll have that I feel like it's midday feeling, like I'm six hours into my day, you know what I mean? And it'll be 8 p.m., and I'll be like, geez, sun's already down. It, it's hit everybody. Yeah. I, no I've, one's getting haircuts except twerks. He's doing his own. His own haircuts over there. By the way, I have a question for Twerks. Can we get Twerks on the microphone right away? Yeah, of course. My girlfriend is up my ass. She's like, you have to talk to Aaron about this. I need to know. This is breaking news. This is one of the four things I need talked about in Dirty Sports. What happened to your Disneyland pass? She really wants to know, how. Is there a refund? What, what kind of uh, information are you getting from the folks at Disney? In regards to them reopening, <laughs> like, what's going on with Disney? Uh, that's a great question, and I appreciate her caring. Uh, we've actually, so I've gotten like three emails from Disney, um, all very unclear. Uh, but basically, it boils down to if your pass has already been paid off, then whatever for however long it's closed, they're just going to add that time to your pass. But my pass isn't paid off yet, and there's no direction as to like if your pass isn't paid off yet, what happens? Like, is it just a refund? Or is it extended time? I mean, personally, I don't care. I, if anything, it'd be easier if they just extend it. Like, just add this time to whatever. Like, well, I'll still be here anyways. So. Wait a second. This is funny. So your pass isn't paid off because you do, like, a payment plan. Yeah, it's a monthly payment plan, and it ends up in June. It's just, like, the length of the year. So, you know? basically, it, it's almost, if you're the kind of person, right, Is it's a year pass? Uh, yeah. What do you pay monthly? We are 37 each, 74 total. That's for two passes. So, basically... You're, you just basically have a monthly – it's like you're a member of a gym for $37 a month, but that gym is Disneyland. Yeah, best so gym like, of all time. Have they paused? <laughs> have they paused paying you? Have they paused, like, collecting from you? I need to look because I don't know right now. I'm assuming no because if they are, then I'm going to be like, well, now I really don't know what's going on. I just assumed they've been taking it out, but I haven't looked. Right. Because um, if they aren't and they're just like, okay, we're going to tack up, we'll just start collecting from you again when we open again through till the end of whatever your year passes. Okay. But if they've been collecting the whole time, then it's like, yeah, now you got to give me bonus time. It seems like it should just be Disney should just go to like a gym membership method. Like, why a year? A year starting when? When I sign up? How about just $37 a month until you guys raise the rates? Well, my bigger concern, you're not checking your bank statements, bro. I check my bank every day. I, I trust that's, no one. That's hilarious. It, I check my bank like every ten days. Every ten days? Because I because I don't want to know. 
I'm in the same boat. Yeah, I check it occasionally, but I'm, I don't have income. Like, what am I, you know what I mean? What am I checking? I, like, I'll check if I make a big purchase to see where I'm at or like after I pay rent or something. But then it's like, oh, I trust no one. And, and I'll just, do the math in my depressing. head, and I try, I try to do the math like ballpark math in my head and, I, and I'll open like 10 days later and I literally don't want to open because I don't want to know what's in there I just don't want the reality of it to set in so then I'll be like I have like next amount of dollars and if I open it and it's more I'm like score and if I open it and it's less I'm like fuck and then I go into my thing I'm like well how'd that happen and I'm like oh yeah 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 Uber Eats oh yeah that oh totally just kick your ass well for me psychologically if if it's real low, like it is now, like I'm dirt poor as well, like most of us, it motivates me to make money. And if it's doing better, it also motivates me to make money. Well, we got to shout out our boy uh, Crypto. Crypto Rant. Crypto Rant. In terms of, since we're talking about making money, he fired us over some coin yesterday. So shout out to him. I met him when I was in Pittsburgh. That was the first time. We uh we exchanged some cryptocurrency. Good w- dude. He keeps us up what's going on in the crypto. Mar- I feel like I know more about what's going on in the cryptocurrency market than most people simply because of the DMs that Crypto Andy sends us. Yeah, I I agree. What is going on? Actually, I I haven't heard anything about S- cryptocurrency. Since to the moon, like, baby. Since to it- the moon. It's skyrocketing. He gave us he gave us the same amount of coin. That he gave us, that he gave me when he when I saw him in Pittsburgh, and it's worth three times as much. Interesting. Yeah, I think that was what a year and a half ago, like a year and a half ago, January, like a year ago this past January. So three times the value, and you know what is that? Sixteen, eighteen months. And shout out to CT as well. He yeah. he made a nice little donation as well. Shout out to anybody who's made any donations, especially in these dire economic times guys i've been getting rando venmos yeah and by the way the rando venmo is the is the 2020 version of putting on pants and finding five dollar bill in the pocket it's glorious the other day i don't know what it was like obviously i get alerts on my phone but for some reason i didn't like I, i was probably just like busy or whatever and just like ignoring alerts i go into my venmo and like multiple dirt balls including ct uh, sent me cash, and I was just like, "This is cash in my Venmo." Or like, and I have a Venmo card. I literally grabbed my cane and started hobbling down. Got myself some Miller Lights. I was like, "Free money!" Yeah, let's go, free beer. And no. by the way, when Dirtball send me money via Venmo at Joe Prano, uh, I exclusively use it on alcohol. I I feel like it's my duty. I feel like, I feel like this is what they meant it for. A lot of times, there's a beer glass in it. And here's what else I did, Andy. Here's how much. Here's how committed I am to the Dirt Balls and our sponsor, the greatest sponsor in all of podcasting and all of honestly media of of all kinds, Miller Lite. I got, went out my apartment and I started walking down the beach north towards Santa Monica because you know there's a couple of little like uh, convenience stores, convenience stores on the beach, and I always forget about the ones that are like down there by Brooks and like yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll walk over there. Walked to the first one, which is like where we used to play volleyball, and uh, no Miller Lite. I'm like, oh, okay. So I keep walking. There's another one at Brooks. No Miller Lite. And I was like, you know what? I'm I'm on a gimpy leg. I've already walked probably farther than I should. I think Miller Lite would understand if I bought a not Miller product. 
And then I was like, who I, I literally caught a glimpse of myself in the reflection of the cooler. And I was like, who are you, Joe Prey now? Absolutely not. You turn on your heels. You double down on the pain in your knee right now. You go south all the way past your apartment, all the way down to Venice Boulevard. You hobble into that store. You take that fresh Venmo money that the Dirtball sent you, and you buy the greatest Pilsner ever brewed, the original light beer, Miller Lite. And that's what I did, Andy Ruther. I doubled my walk, quadrupled my walk, if you think about it. And I went and I got the best and the original light beer. Miller Lite, and I went home and I I drank it all very quickly because now I'm parched from walking. So and th- and then the process restarts. So shout out to all the dirt balls, and shout out to all the the brewers of Miller Lite. That's a great plug before the plug. Yeah, I mean, call the plug, or we'll get back to it. How many coffees you had today? Uh. I guess one and a quarter so far. You know the coaster's there for a reason, right, fam? I know, but then then it's got to be like this close to the edge because I pushed the refrigerator over because I was bumping my elbow on it. You hate coasters, I've noticed. That's not true. Yeah, you just hate them in my place. You're putting. I'm pu- it's very difficult over here. I use that coaster every night. You, you know what my move is now? You guys are going to laugh also, at this. Also, what, co- like, what is this, an antique table? Like, uh, is, this, is this reclaimed wood that your grandfather cut down after he stormed Iwo Jima? Well, this is, it's a Miller Lite mini fridge. I think we can, I think you can deal with a couple of watermarks on the top. We're going to cover it in stickers and spray paint it. And like, I mean, it's, it's a mini fridge. Or an Ikea stool, which I'm pretty sure you could take a blowtorch to. Target. Without tar- a Target stool. You could probably, honestly, spray paint that and it wouldn't mark it. What what are, what are we using these coasters for? You've got your you've got your Kama Sutra coasters. My brother got that in Turkey. I mean, what are we protecting here? Is there anything in this apartment that wasn't built in the last five years? Like, yeah. not, not exactly rocking antiques around here. Doesn't mean you can't use coasters. I'm a coaster guy. <laughs> I like to use coasters. I use the I use that coaster on top of the Miller Life fridge every night. This is my move now. I pour like a half a glass. Of kombucha, it's like my alcohol, which would normally be someone's, you know, drink of whiskey or scotch, you know, and that's just, just three fingers of kombucha. Yeah, it's like a tumbler, right? Yeah. And I and I pour that, and I put it. Aaron's looking at me very confused. I put it next on top of the Miller Lite fridge, and uh, I, you know, I watch a little movie or whatever TV show, and 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 I sip on it, and that's my alcohol. What? I've got my children over here. I just don't. I, I just don't understand. I just don't understand the uh, the half a glass limit. I thought you were gonna say like you mixed it with something, and I was like interested. Now it's just no because you just you don't want to spill. I'm, I'm no because here's the thing: the 16 ounce glass of kombucha is technically two servings. So I'm basically saying, hey, this is my serving for the night. It's eight ounces. I'll do the other eight ounces tomorrow. I stick by the recommended servings. You don't want to drink too much kombucha. In fact, they say even the serving size that you're supposed to like sip it throughout the day. So there you have it. Yeah. So don't come at me full little John. Don't what? Come, don't kombucha at me. 
I, do you, I you know I want to recommend a movie, and I know Great. we, we got a lot wait. of we got a lot of sports I have to get to. Get roasted for it. What what movie? Airbud Two. I'll tell you what. This came out in 2011. I doubt most people have seen it. It's on Hulu. Great cast. It's so stupid, but it's funny. Now, maybe my marijuana and take that night might have made it funnier. A good old-fashioned orgy. That's the name of it? Look look that up, Aaron. Yeah, I think that's the name of it. A good old-fashioned orgy? Starring Jason Sudeikis. Okay. Uh, Will Forte is so funny in it. You're a Will Forte stan. Oh, bro. Will Forte's great. Sudeikis is great in it. Uh, Lake- you and I were, I think we were just getting started on Dirty Sports or whatever when I found out that you were like a MacGruber stan. And oh. I was like, I'm not sure this is going to work like long term. MacGruber's great. Is it go- a good old fresh and orgy? Came out 2011? Yeah. Lake Bell. Who who else is in it? The, the dude from uh, Silicon Valley who always fights with uh, Kumal, uh, what's his name? I forget, but I know who you're talking about. He's in it. So it's, so it's got all these comedic actors. And the premise is really stupid, but it's funny. Is that basically it's this group of high school friends that have always partied forever at this house in the Hamptons that Don Johnson, is J- Jason Sudeikis' dad, owns. And he's going to sell the house. And they have one last bash. And they decide the last bash is going to be an orgy with all their friends. Wow. Okay. It's like a X-rated debauchery fest. But a lot of funny actors, obviously. Oh, yeah. Dude, Will Forte. Oh, my God. If you're not a MacGruber stan, like, I just, that's tough for me. So funny. But you don't like that comedy. No, that, no. Honestly, I've given MacGruber so many shots because Val Kilmer's in it. And I'm like, it must be good. Like, it must be working on a level that I don't get. But the, I, like, there's never been. So funny. There's never been a sketch that I was like, well, why would you, of all the sketches, why would you make that a movie? It literally ends every two and a half minutes with somebody getting blown up. I don't need 90 minutes of it. Oh, my God. It's, it's, dude, I'd argue it's, it's a, it's an all-time classic. Did you argue that? I mean, you have your, you had your 10 comedic movies. Did it get mentioned? I, I, Somehow left it off. Yeah, surprise, surprise. But 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 MacGruber <laughs> is MacGruber is in the same vein as a Naked Gun, as an airplane. Obviously, movies that I love. I just noticed a little a uh, little bit of heat in the comments already. What are people saying? It's a polarizing topic. Uh, MacGruber is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Ter- Honestly, I I it's a terrible take. On behalf of my dear friend David Zucker, I want to. Uh, I want to say that it's shameful that you even bring MacGruber and mention with some of his box office Ask and him. critically claimed smashing successes. I would actually love Zucker's take on MacGruber. I'm gonna, I'm gonna conclude that he likes it and he thinks it's funny. And yes, I'm a Will Forte stan. <laughs> Did you watch Last Man on Earth or whatever? I, I watched a few episodes, but I remember when it came out, I was like busy, but I could go back and watch it. You should. And I'm also, I'm a big fan of Jason Sudeikis. I think he's funny. Th- th- there was a run there, SNL, that was pretty good. They had, they had some talent. <laughs> Kristen Wiig's pretty good. Why are you just looking at me laughing? I'm just, I'm just, 
you know, I'm trying to be more positive these days. Are you? Yeah. I mean, I will I will destroy Jameis Winston's quarterback play, but I'm just going to let – let's just let the Will Forte, Jason Sudeikis, Kristen Wiig, SNL cast. They had their day. Good for them. They they all seem to be doing very well for themselves. I'm uh, – I, I, I can only hope to one day have the comedic success of all of them. It's it's a uh, it's funny you say Jason Sudeikis is really funny because I've like I've never understood like his shtick like what's his thing it's it's he's always like the guy who funny things just kind of happen to but he doesn't like really bring like some like comedic I don't know lines or something to it it's not like he's like a Will Ferrell guy where he just watched me do something funny or I don't know it's like things just happen to him and he's just there and he's just a regular guy I agree to disagree I think I think he's really good. And I can tell, like a movie like a good old fashioned orgy, you can tell there's so much improv going on, where they're just riffing, and that, and I think that's good. And maybe I'm a little biased because I think I've said this. He was at Second City Las Vegas right before I got there, and then he went to SNL, and he taught a lot of people that went. Well, I'll watch a good old fashioned orgy for you. You're not gonna like it, but you should watch it. You should watch it with your girl. Watch it with your girl. Report back, and uh, let's talk Jameis because you said that's somebody you want to kind of eviscerate. I mean, I don't want to eviscerate. I just think it's. Uh, I don't want to say I told you so to everybody, and I think at this point, you know, the dirt balls and the dirty sports fam. If you're still here, I mean, there's probably a few Jameis Winston defenders hiding in the in the brush, but. Uh, I think we've made it pretty clear on this this show how I feel about him. You, I feel like I've brought you into the fold. You've come along for the ride. Now you're all in. You might even have gone in, in true Andy Ruther fashion. You might be going deeper than I've been going. This is like when you were a Kobe stan and then, you know, you're you're putting out like deathbed Kobe trashing videos. I'm like, my my son is all grown up. Uh, we'll see. That's a that's a little exaggeration there. Okay. You know, hard to say any of that was false. I'm just but saying, the man uh, passed away the day after I put out the video. I mean, what you knew and how you knew it at that time, I'll never know. But well timed by you. Um, but Jameis Winston at this point, number one overall pick, Heisman winner, savior for the Tampa Bay Bucks. There are tons of people who ride him. Still. There are people still. Who, yeah, there are people who believe he is a. Hall of Fame quarterback. I have said without ever taking my foot off the gas pedal that he is Jamarcus Winston. I called him Jamarcus. I coined Jamarcus Winston four years ago. Jamarcus Winston. And now, five years into his young career, he is taking $1.1 million deals, including signing bonuses, to back up Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So, look, you can spin it any way you want. You can spin it any way you want. Correct. But here is the facts. Fact. This is a, this is a fact. If you draft a quarterback with the first overall pick, and five years later he is not on your team and is not a starting starting quarterback in the NFL, he is a bust. Plain and simple. The end. You, honestly, you can't argue that. Well, look, I'll, I'll, no team. GM alive of any sport across the world that has a player draft 
wants the player that they select first overall to be on another team five years later and not starting because of how poorly they played on your team. It means that you have done a bad job. It means that you have drafted a bust. Yeah. The end. Now, look, could he turn around his career? Sure. I'm... Again, I I think I try to I think a lot of these things are fluid. You never know what can happen with a player. Right circumstance, right situation. We saw it this year with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. But I do agree with Joe's take. If you are the number one overall pick, and by year six in the league, you are a backup, it's really difficult to say that you're not a bust. And you could and you could argue the same for Marcus Mariota, who was taken number two in that draft, currently a backup to Carr in uh, Oakland. But here's the crazy thing: Mariota is going to make eight million dollars. Jameis Winston's deal is nine hundred and fifty-two thousand with a one hundred and forty-eight thousand dollars signing bonus, and a possibility to make three point four million in incentives. Again. Because there was two teams that were interested in him, basically, if you believe even the few reports that are out there, the Saints and the Steelers, both of them had pretty much this amount of money to offer him. And this is what they offered him, and he took it. The idea that the Redskins wanted to give him $15 million is ludicrous. The idea that the Bron- that he's going to start for the Broncos, and then he turned down $30 million from them before... You know, because he thought he was staying with the Bucks, or he was going to be a Raider. Like anything, all that is complete and utter horseshit. He's a backup. The only teams willing to pay him to be a backup are the Steelers and the Saints. Yeah, they both had, and he didn't turn down five million from the Steelers to get one point one million from the Saints. The Steelers had, I think, I said on last episode, I read it. Thirty-five or eighty-five thousand more dollars, and that's not even a num- It's not even a mentionable amount of money when you're talking about a team's salary cap. They had point one more million dollars. He, he turned down one point one five million dollars then to quarterback for the Steelers, and we don't even know if that's true. And this whole notion, like you said, you can spin it any way you want. Oh, he wanted to learn from a Hall of Famer like Drew Brees and a possible Hall of... Ben Roethlisberger, Hall of Famer. Yeah, and a possible Hall of Fame coach like Sean Payton. Dude, you can spin it any way... If Sean Payton's a Hall of Fame coach, Mike Tomlin's a Hall of Fame coach. You can spin it any way you want, but this is how I view it. There are 32 teams in the NFL. There are 32 general managers. All 32 teams said he is not currently a starter in the NFL. All 32 teams, all 32 GMs. You can spin it any way you want. I mean, Nick Foles got taken by the Bears. Marcus Mariota got taken by the Redskins. There are other guys out there who the Raiders. Are, or the Red, the Raiders. There are other guys out there who are given more money to go and fill in for teams and and it happened months ago. At least weeks ago at this point. Uh no one wanted him. And the teams that did want him had a million bucks to offer him. And he took it. Yeah. And, and who knows? 
maybe maybe there's something we don't know about that Breeze is only. I think Breeze has two good years in him. Maybe there's a thing where he only has one year, and this is a, a succession plan for Jameis, a deal that he has set up with Peyton. That could be the case. We don't. Uh, we, we we can go like we already went down the the path talking about this last episode. Is what Peyton's plan is and what's whatever. They're openly saying Taysom Hill is a future starter in the NFL. So honestly, I think what's happening here is Jameis is brought in for a million dollars, which is twenty percent of what they were paying Bridgewater to do this job last year. In case Breeze goes down, they have a band-aid for a couple games. He throws the ball well downfield. He's going to throw a lot of picks, but they're hoping in a Band-Aid situation, we get Jameis in there, he chucks it around, maybe we steal a win or two. Sure. And we don't go over while Breeze is hurt. That's your hope. And then next year, when he shows flashes of brilliance in two football games and some team who's quarterback goes down or has a disaster, stupidly wants to take a chance on Jameis, they get a compensatory draft pick, and they basically bought one for $1.1 million this year. And it's not Sean Payton's money. It's not the GM's money. If they have a million dollars to play with, there's not a ton of people that you can get for $1 million for one year. You can get insurance for your quarterback. They did it. It's it's honestly like it's not a terrible deal at all for the Saints. Oh, yeah. I think it's a but, great. I think it's a great move by the but Saints. It's the idea that he's being brought in to be groomed by Drew Brees to be the future quarterback of the Saints is ludicrous and not the plan. Maybe. Okay. Look, we, we don't know. Again, we don't know. I'm not going to speculate on things I don't know, but I do know again that 32 teams said you are not a starter. So, so I don't want to hear any garbage from any idiot especially on social media, who says he could start for the Browns or he could start for the Broncos, then he would. End of story. Yeah. John Elway wants to win games. It's like, stop just saying this notion. Uh, But I want to keep talking quarterbacks. Andy Dalton released today by the Cincinnati Bengals. Yep. Not a surprise. Not a surprise. They don't want to pay him. They don't want to pay him. And... What was he going to get this year? Seventeen million or something I, like I that. I believe so. A nice little cap relief for them. Uh, if you go to Schefter's tweet about Dalton, the first two hundred responses are Bill Belichick gifts um, of him with binoculars, him stomping out of the tunnel, the whole thing. Uh, Not happening, from what I hear. Okay. What do you think happens, Andy Dalton? Uh, well. I shouldn't say from what I hear. It's not like I have inside sources. From what I've read, the Patriots have shown no interest. I've heard some possible interest from Jacksonville, from, again, just the insiders that I follow and different reports. I don't know. I got to say, Andy Dalton to the Patriots does kind of make sense. I know that there's, you're saying there's no interest, and I've certainly heard nothing about that other than the gifts. But it does make sense, although, I mean, the the idea that Bill Belichick takes this sort of COVID uncertainty and 
does that lead to him having more time to teach a guy that's already been on his roster as offense? Does it mean that other teams don't have as much time to teach their new quarterbacks their offenses, like a Tua or whatever? Like, I could also see this being a factor in Bill Belichick going, like, I'm fine, and with this uncertainty, like, give me a chance to do it. Uh, but Andy Dalton, what could he – he can't possibly be commanding a ton of money either. Andy Dalton, and, and we've discussed this article that The Ringer wrote a few months ago. He's kind of an enigma, like, and he's interesting. Obviously, I've been very critical, and – in the past, I had a lot of frustration as a former Cincinnati Bengals fan about him. Kind of like how you would maybe just unleash about Carmelo as a Knicks fan. Well, I don't think anybody thinks Andy Dalton's a bad, bad person. And that's the thing. <laughs> I'm just going to go on record. Say I'm, I've matured a little. I was. I, I probably said some things I should not have said. Whereas I have not matured, and I do think Carmelo Anthony is a bad person, and I think if there is an afterlife, he'll pay for it in the afterlife. Well, I think Andy Dalton is a good person. I'm just going to say it on record. I know he's done a lot of good charitable work in Cincinnati and for Texas. So, look, I think he's a good oh, person. He's done, yeah, he's done some charitable things for Texas, for sure. <laughs> and Didn't he have a playoff loss for a— uh... Two to the Texans. Yeah, there you go. That's his charity work. So, look— at the end of the day, I think I think he did he's, some stuff in Buffalo. He had a he had a big charity, right? People were donating in Buffalo in his name. Yeah. So I've probably been overly critical on him as a person, but as a quarterback, he's interesting because again, this is the stat that everybody's showing today. Did you see this stat? No, but I'm seeing it on your computer right now. And it's interesting because it's a real stat, but it also shows how loaded the Bengals were as a team since 2011. Only six QBs have achieved the following marks. 30,000 yards, 200 touchdown passes, and 70 wins. Obviously, the last one is a team stat. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, and Andy Dalton. Now, of those six guys, I would argue right now to this day, they're all Hall of Famers but Andy Dalton. I think even Matt Ryan's trending that way. I know a lot of people want to— I mean, stats like this are always, like, you know— The internet internet loves stats like this, and what they do is they they go, since 2011. Why 2011? That's when he entered the league. Right. Exactly. So you're taking the beginning of Andy Dalton's career, and you're going, oh, these guys are Hall of Famers. Well, Drew Brees is playing— Way longer than that. Drew Brees was a Hall of Famer before 2011. Tom Brady was a Hall of Famer before 2011. Ben Roethlisberger, maybe Matt Aaron Rodgers isn't, but Ben Roethlisberger may be a Hall of Famer before 2011. Uh, I would debate most of those guys, to be honest, minus okay. Brady. Because Brees and Roethlisberger have really, and and obviously Rodgers, they all put up a lot of numbers since 2011. I'm just 2011. saying their, their career was on It's not like... They suddenly came up in those times. Their career was on a Hall of Fame pace before that even happened. So, of course, they're doing it. But, you know, but look, my, I'm my, not an Andy Alden hater or an Andy Dalton stan. So, I just think, you know, keep things like this in context. And that, Since January of 2014, but, CJ McCollum's hitting the most three-pointers in the league. Okay. But, look, that's my point. That's why I'm bringing up the stat. That's why I'm saying he's an enigma because of this. Your boy Russell Wilson's not in there, right? Because what? He started in 2012? Yeah. 
Well, he's 250 yards away. I saw somebody tweet it right. from being on that list. Not that I care. I'm. I'm. My point is. But hold on. Let, let me. Let me just say. My this. point is, and that's a guy who's also brought into a winning situation. So why isn't he on the list? Because the fucking list starts a year earlier. Andy Dalton. Again, if you read the Ringer, did a great article saying he can play very well, and he has when he has a great cast. When he does not have a great cast, like last year, the Bengals start out zero and eight. But also, there are caveats with this number and with this list. I would love to see these six quarterbacks, Breeze, Brady, Roethlisberger, Rodgers, Ryan, and Dalton. I'd love to see their breakdown in playoff games versus Dalton and also primetime games. When it counts the most, when the lights are on, Monday night football, Sunday night football, the playoffs, Andy Dalton has absolutely wilted, and that is a fact. I saw it live in person. It's it's embedded into my memory is when I decided I was done with the Bengals 2014 January against the Chargers at Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati. Andy Dalton is a mess in the playoffs. And that can't be denied. Yeah. I mean, certainly the greatest players get better when the lights are brighter. That's well, that's just something that has I mean Basically, when people talk about, especially quarterbacks or star basketball players or whatever, like sometimes, and and I've certainly done it with people, you you go down these argument paths with people on the internet, like me and Sean Merriman, for example, where it's just like you look at what guys do and then you completely, you just look at their numbers and you discredit. Hey, one guy turned it on when they went to the playoffs and one guy wilted. So I absolutely agree with you. But the one reason that I will say Andy Dalton having consistent numbers and consistent team success is why I feel like he almost is suited for the Patriots. Well, I will say this. Because you're not going to – the Patriots, you're not going to need Andy Dalton to be this – Hall of Fame quarterback in the playoffs just for you to win games because we've seen Tom Brady as a Patriot quarterback look pedestrian and win Super Bowls. I want to see Dalton on the Patriots. I want to see him on the Patriots too. I I think from an entertainment value, it's extremely intriguing. And also, obviously, Bill Belichick is the GOAT. I, I am... I mean, I want him on the Patriots simply because I need footage for my what will probably be two and a half hour documentary that I will eventually put on Netflix called The Exposure of Tom Brady, The Truth About the So-Called Goat. I need I need Andy Dalton to show up and win 13 games with the Patriots this year and literally just light Tom Brady's career on fire. Well, look, it's not about that for me. It's it's partly, I guess I should say there is intrigue. Like the, the the open quarterback position at the Patriots right now is so intriguing from a, like does he do it with a guy who's never played a snap in the NFL before and win? Like I would be I would have a hard on if Bill Belichick was just like we're bringing Peyton Manning back and he's throwing lefty and I'm like yeah you are. Yes, this is awesome. Okay, like, let me let me ask you this then. I don't even know or right, we went over it with Laz. I think it was it 8 do the Patriots win 10 games this year? I think they do. I do too. Like, that's how much faith I have in Belichick as a coach and also that they're 
that their uh, division is is complete dog shit. I mean, the Bills are the Bills are good. Yeah, the Jets will probably be better. They can't be really like they can't stack that much talent and be worse. Although I think Gase is a total boob, so yeah, they could be. Um, the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins will be better. I, I Look, I think the Patriots will come back down to earth simply because they don't have a guy who's been running their system for 20 years. But the idea that a guy like Andy Dalton or Stidham or left-handed Peyton Manning or anybody that can conceptualize what Bill Belichick does as a coach can't come in there and win 11 games and go to the playoffs. Well, Matt Castle already did that. So minus the playoffs. Right. But he, I'm saying he won 11 games. Like if if you go into the Patriots and you win 11 games this year, whether or not you make the, that's sort of on how good the rest of the league is, you know? I mean, if Andy Dalton went to the Patriots and made a Super Bowl, it we're talking guy who's 0 and 5 in the playoffs. It it would take a huge blow to Tom Brady's legacy. I mean, it would be it would Paul Bunyan. I'm not out even talking about wins. I'm not even talking about winning. I'm saying just making the Super Bowl. Yeah, just making an AFC Championship game. Honestly, that's why I kind of want. But but also, I'm like, is Bill Belichick just doing this with like a guy who's never played before? Like, is he that confident? Too? Jared Stidham. Yeah. Let's see. But to me, it just seems. Like a no-brainer for the cost and for the veteran. Like he, why couldn't he back up there? I mean, who's backing up Stidham? Brian Hoyer. Uh, yeah, that was r- r- reckless. I don't like that. B- Bill Belichick's Brian Hoyer boner is is honestly unmatched. I've never <laughs> like I've never heard of anything like this. How did and him and him and uh, Bill O'Brien just trade him back and forth? And what kind of sick? Pictures of Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick does Hoyer have from the quarterback room in New England 15 years ago? Were they just going to town on like a 12 year old ball boy? Like, what kind of, like, why is Brian Hoyer in the league? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I'm seeing, does Brian Hoyer make more? He doesn't make more than Jameis Winston, does he? No, he's not on this list. Jameis makes less than these backups. Bethard, Kaiser, Henny, Driscoll, Griffin, Daniel, Sudfeld, Barkley, Peterman, Rush, McCoy, Schaub. Matt Schaub's playing football. RG3, Keenum, McCarron, and Mariota. So Jameis makes less than all those other backups. But he took less money to learn from Drew Brees. I have a piece of advice for the GM of the New Orleans Saints. If he looks good in a preseason game, don't extend him for $30 million this year. Maybe just play it out, guys. Jameis makes slightly more. He makes $50,000 more than Hoyer as at his, <laughs> his salary. <laughs> Has there ever been so much intrigue in the whole backup situation? I mean, we're talking Jameis... I mean, Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. True. Did we just lose video, Andy? Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know what happened. You mind closing that window? Uh, anyway, 
Thanks, bud. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll move on. I don't know what's going on with the video. Um, in other news, the NFL, a potential... It's a Mevo situation. A potential schedule has been released, Prano. Yeah, I heard this. I, don't, I didn't see it, but I... When I say I heard it, I mean I saw the rundown. What does that schedule entail, Andy Ruther? Super Bowl, February 28th. Reg- regular. So, so what? Well, let's start from the beginning. Okay, so, yeah. I was, I was like, man, we're skipping the Super Bowl? Well, for some How reason. How does that work? I, the dumb article leads with that. Regular season would start as late as Thursday, October 15th. Okay. It's crazy to me, and I know I'm on the week one won't be delayed obviously i've given updates since i made that claim in the first place but like it's not it's not even may yet what are we why are we pushing back week one right now and by the way i'm totally fine if they're saying this is a potential backup schedule this is what could happen if uh you know this continues till x time but like does the NFL really need to push back dates right now? Like, I mean, minicamp don't even open until, like, the involuntary thing. Just cancel involuntary minicamp or whatever. Well, this look, this Training is what— Training camp's not supposed to start till August. This is what this says. It says the schedule if needed. Right. To me, it's just like it's insane to think, and and I'm seeing this kind of across the board when it comes to the ongoing coronavirus crisis. These like this is potentially how things will get scheduled, and like to me, it's crazy that they can say right now we could use six extra weeks to get it going when like. If that's if that's what you're saying, like we can plan out that we'll need six extra weeks to get it going. How can you how can you not just say we can get it started on time in a crisis situation? Like we're so far from that. Yeah. Well, look this this is this is where we're at. I feel like these are just these are just like clickbait. It's not even clickbait as much as it's like interest bait. Like don't forget about the NFL. If we got to start late, we will. It's like if what happens. So under this possible delayed schedule, the Super Bowl would be February 28th. The NFL would still want to try to maintain it in February. Obviously, that would be the last day. Uh, there'd be no bye weeks. I'm sure the players love that. And no Pro Bowl. And no bye week between this championship game and the Super Bowl, or that would still be two weeks later? It says, in one version, the start of the season would be delayed by five weeks with relatively few adjustments. And, yeah, there typically would not be a bye week if this happened between the championship games and the Super Bowl. Okay. (laughs) I guess we'll see in, what is that, four months how they're doing. I mean, look, the, I agree. This is such a fluid situation, and this is this is moving. I mean, baseball's not going to play. Baseball's going to play in Arizona. 
Baseball is going to play in Florida and Arizona. Baseball is going to play with realigned leagues in their home stadiums without whatever. NASCAR is canceled. NASCAR is racing without whatever. Golf courses are closed. Golf courses are open. PGA starting. PGA is not like to me. It's like, God, the NFL draft just happened last week. We have to have a press release about the fantasy idea of the delayed season starting. Guys, just tell me when you schedule something. But that wasn't a release. That was that was something leaked. The NFL has not released anything. Right. This was re- this was something leaked from the Sports Business Journal. This wasn't even a major publication. Sports Business Journal is a fairly major publication. Okay, but my point is this wasn't a release. Right. This was people like, hey, we have this insider info. Let's run with this. So, look, I agree with you. And, and, and I'm sick of, I, I don't know, but, but I'm also, it's a fluid situation, but I, you know, something that's really bothered me is how politicians have handled it with this, because it falls in the same, you know, realm of, uh, we're just going to kind of toss out generic things. Yeah. I'm kind of, I've kind of gone full, uh, green day on this. I'm just wake me up when Corona ends, you know, like, okay. Yeah. A lot of talk. Just let me know when I can go outside again. Let me know when when the bars are open. Let me know when the beaches are open. I mean, honestly, at this point, I'll probably be mostly recovered by the time beaches are open. Let me know when I can shred it, bro. Let me know when I can get out there and spray again. Pitted. Wake me up when Corona ends, Andy. And and that's why why I'm going home, to be honest. Good. You have... You have a, yourself a fantastic time there. You know, they're saying uh, that, like, California, is, you'll be able to get tested. That doesn't really help you to get tested on this side. Well, you can. You can get – You, I can – anybody can get tested. Right. But I'm saying for you to go home, you got to get tested when you get home, I guess. But considering – I have a feeling your plane's, again, going to be pretty crowded. Streets way more crowded. It's been more traffic than I've seen in a long time. I don't – okay, so I'm flying through Dallas, so I'm leaving next Friday – I go LAX to Dallas, Fort Worth, then to Cincinnati. There'll definitely be more people to Texas. Yeah. With that situation. The hub. I don't think it's going to be crowded. I bet, I bet you you're 70% full. You need the flight 70% full. Yeah, from LA to Dallas. Yeah. So, let's just let's just round it up to a 300 seat flight. You think 210 people will be on there? Yeah. I think it's going to be around half. I just want to get the fuck home, man. Do it. Like, I- I'm just... I uh, mean, I honestly, I can't believe you're... I can't believe with the kind of mileage situation you got going on that hatchback Corolla, I can't believe you didn't just put your uh, driving gloves on. Get those little leather, little Andes on and just... Aaron, look that co- up. Corolla look, to Cincinnati. Can, can you look up Venice... To Cincinnati. I mean, I've done the drive. How many miles and the distance? I mean, it would take three and days. The di- and the distance. The miles and the distance, Aaron. M- miles and the hours, I mean. I mean, two days of driving. You can't sleep anyway. Take a, take a couple of Adderall. I'm going to say 30 hours. 2,100 miles. 
give it a minute here. Google Maps is uh, saying they can't calculate driving directions from Venice to Ohio. Oh, what? I know why. It's because it's doing Venice, Italy. That's why. I mean, Silly I was, Google. I, I was about to say. <laughs> I think I know why. Yeah. I mean, you've done the drive before, Andy. That's what I'm saying. I've done it multiple times. Okay, so. Let's, let's see how close I am. I'm going to say 30, 30 hours, 2,000. hours. 2,065 miles. Okay, well, now I'm getting suspicious of some insider trading going on here because <laughs> that was way too close. What, or I guess I already kind of gave it away. I what's said your, 28 what's your hours. How many miles? I don't know. Okay. Call it, yeah, call it 2,000 miles. So if you're taking the I-40 East, which is the fastest route. Is that through, that's the one through Texas? Uh, no, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, top of Texas, yeah, New Mexico, yeah, yeah. So basically a straight shot. Yeah, 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 that is thirty-two hours, two thousand one hundred ninety-one miles. So let's round up to twenty-two hundred miles, thirty-two hours. It's basically three days of driving. Yeah, I mean, you can make up thirty-two. It's not really gonna be thirty-two hours. You drive it a, driving over the speed limit. So there and back, I'd put forty-four hundred miles in my car. That's a lot of miles to put in the car. Although. You are right. So, so my car right now has 10,500 miles, and I've had it for over 15 months. So getting right up there. You don't want to my, leave miles on your car. You know what I mean? You don't get to take that money with you when you die. They don't give you a refund. You need to, put, you need to be right at that. How many months you got? 36 months? 36 months in the lease. The 3600 mi- 36,000 miles? 36,000 miles. Yeah, man. That'd be What are you going to return it? Like honestly, if I had it at like 29,000 miles, like a month out, I'd be like, I'm going on a road trip. Like giving this car back to Toyota. It's going to co- Joe, it will cost me more to drive across the country. Oh, I understand. I I mean, I, that's obvious. I'm just talking about you don't have to get on an airplane. What the fuck else do you have to do? Driving those quarantine roads across America, Route 66 style, like, dude, it, it would just take so long. It, it would because because here's the problem. By the way, and I thought now you've about inspired this. me. I'm gonna. My We're, girlfriend's probably watching this, although that YouTube probably stopped. Are we back on YouTube? No, it's 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 a Mevo issue today. Well, I'm going to talk to my girlfriend. Maybe she wants to drive across the country to New York while you're gone for two weeks. Let's oh, just go. Are we just not doing the podcast? Like, 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 what are we doing here? We're just, we're just not doing the podcast. Or, yeah. But wait a second. I told you you could have my car when I was gone for a couple weeks. Well, maybe I'll use it to drive to New York and back. You're going to be like, you put 6,000 miles on my car while I was gone? Well, <laughs> we did stop and see you in Cincinnati that one day. <laughs> oh, Walt would love that. Oh, you got plenty of room here. You guys want me to make you some take, chili? Take, yeah, oh, yeah. Get some, get some of that Walt beef stew. Down in, Get down in Joe's nook down there in the basement. I'll be straight up. Do you with sleep you. in the basement when you're there? Or you sleep? Is there a room? I actually have not explored your... The room upstairs situation, but I think you stayed upstairs when we were there. Yeah, so the basement bedroom, I sometimes do, but I've learned I sleep better in my old room, which has been redone too. Um, so like, 
I couldn't. I always sleep so good in basements. Yeah, yeah, and the basements, the basements, cool, but I don't know. Like, I I found when I was home last time, I slept better in my old room. That's one thing I that sucks about California is the lack of basements. Yeah, generally, basements such a good vibe. Can I? Can I? Some by the subterranean way. vibe. Maybe get some of that. Uh, that Rembrandt lighting when you have some of those basements where just like the upper part of the wall has a window on it. Can um, I share? Glorious. Speaking little man of, cave action. Speaking of basements and man caves, I have to share my dad's TV purchase at Sam's Club. Can't wait. I mean, like, we're just going to go off sports for a minute here. Well, we have been. But I didn't know. Like, my here's the thing about my dad. He's, he's notoriously cheap, and it would always bother my mom and it would drive her crazy, but we would laugh at it. But I understood from her standpoint. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. I understood her getting frustrated about he'd bitch about beers and bigger cities and like, Dad, this isn't the bowling alley. You're gonna go to New York City. You're gonna go to L.A. This is what a beer is gonna cost. So I understand it. But he's also very shrewd. I'll give my dad this. Obviously, he had five kids that he had to put through school and blah blah blah. Anyway. He goes to Sam's Club. You know, the big thing now are the QLED and the OLED TVs. I believe QLED is the Samsung and the OLED is the LG version. They're like $2,000 TVs. Okay. The mayor just bought one last year, I think for like $2,500. 65-inch is like $2,000. They're not cheap. Walt goes to Sam's Club like a month ago, I don't know, a couple months ago, and he sees it and they're like, Oh, it's it's down to seventeen hundred. My dad straight up tries to negotiate in Sam's Club like it's a swap meet for the TV. He's like, "You want seventeen hundred? I'll give you this much." The guy's like, "What?" He's like, "No, I'll give you this much." He doesn't bite. My dad goes to Sam's Club enough; they know him. He comes back a week later. He's like, "Ah, oh, the TV's still there. You want this much?" He keeps negotiating. Then he then he realizes they're down to one TV. And there's a dent in the box, which I guess can just knock off prices. Even though it doesn't I mean, that's straight out of Big Daddy. They're throwing the cans at the floor. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets the guy to knock off even more. Still, Walt's not biting. Comes back like a week later. This is such a Ruther family thing. It's like, it's not even about the TV at this point. He doesn't even want the TV. He just wants to beat Sam's Club. He's like, I'm going to go to Sam's Club, Sam's Club every week and work this guy. Walt, Andy's been Andy's been had an eye on a couch at Costco for two and a half years. <laughs> He's in some sort of weird, like Spanish uh, bullfighting dance <laughs> with the Costco Marina Del Rey, where like the couch charges at him. And he's like, "Not today, couch. I will come back next week and have Nick sit on you." Walt walks out of this Costco last month. Again, this thing was initially, I think, eighteen hundred. He gets them straight up to there on the spot, negotiated down to $750. $750. He, what he should do is keep it in the box, turn around, sell it on eBay. So I told the mayor, I said, you know your TV that you spent 2500 on? I go, you're not going to believe. And the mayor got his maybe like 14 months ago. I go, you're not going to believe what my dad spent on the exact same 65-inch TV. Like, he could not believe that Walt got it for 750 But here's the best part. My dad does not watch movies. Well, the best part is, the, the best part 
the best part is that it's definitely still in the box, and your dad pours himself three fingers of scotch, sits down on his couch, <laughs> puts his scotch on a coaster, and just stares at the box, knowing he fucked Sam's Club. He's like, that's all it was about. I didn't even want it. Well, Walt's not a hard liquor guy, but... Walt doesn't drink hard liquor? No. He's not a big hard liquor guy. It's amazing. He's a beer guy. He's a uh, he's a Miller Lite guy. It's incre- I mean, honestly, props to Walt for just surviving just Cincinnati forever. Just, just I'm just I'm just on some beers. Yeah, he's a he's a big beer guy. But the best part is there's no sports, which is what my dad loves to watch. Just in the background, basically. Yeah, he doesn't watch movies. He doesn't watch movies, and there's no sports. So I'm thinking. Now, I'm, where is this TV in your house now? In your living room? It's in the basement. Okay. <laughs> even better which has been you know the basement had been redone in the last couple years so my dad's setting up a man cave with nothing to watch on this big ass tv it's the most walt thing ever so when i go home i'm flying home next friday i'm gonna be like dad we're using my netflix we got to use this tv it's what what flicks internet movies I think I read about this in the Wall Street Journal, although I don't remember because I mailed you the article. <laughs> Did you say when he uh, initially started this whole negotiation, the TV was already out of the box uh, on display? Or was it in the box? It was in the box, but you know there was, there was a few of them. I think what helped my dad's cause was they were down to the final one. They just couldn't sell. And he leveraged that for his negotiation tactic. Like, like that. Honestly, I, I hate to say it, but uh, Walt goes to Sam's Club was way, way more dramatic video series than Andy goes to Costco. <laughs> Almost nothing happens, and Andy goes to Costco. Meanwhile, Walt is in a war with the <laughs> electronics manager of a Sam's Club in Cincinnati, Ohio. Can we send Nick down there to do some work? I agree. We're going back today. Last time I was in there, it was twelve hundred. I'm not budging though. <laughs> We're gonna see if we can get them down to nine today. Is the goal to buy it at nine? No, the goal is to buy it at seven fifty. But if we can get them down to nine today, next week when we come back, we can take them the final way. We can get push them over the edge. I agree. We need a new series. Walt goes to Sam's Club. Also, what is he getting for himself at this point? I mean. <laughs> Walt's basically the GM of the Saints. He's just like, I'm just going to wait, and I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, and I'm going to sign James Winston for $750. Yeah. Sold to Walt Ruther. (laughs) Uh, Unbelievable. That's actually pretty impressive, though, the fact that he got it down that low. I was thinking if it was out of the box, it's different because it's like, they usually just send those back for electronic recycling anyways. You know what I mean? Salvage, all that stuff. But good for him. Again, he's – I could learn a lot from him. He's hes one of those guys who's like – he comes from that mindset. You can negotiate with anything, especially if you have it. But here's the difference. You and I are broke, Prano. Like, take, take Walt to Mexico. Let him have a party. Walt, Walt will be the president of Mexico in six weeks. Just, that, that's a country that's up for negotiating. They're like, let's go. But it's all it's all basically money available and cash handy. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's the move. But if you don't have the cash, 
you know, and I've thought about that. Like, like you and I have discussed, and obviously it's on the back burner once this shit ends, but, you know, talk about moving or getting a dirty sports compound. I mean, all these people list their lease. How, how, many, how many apartments or houses or whatever you want to rent if you just say, hey, dude, you want this price? What if I gave you the first three months straight up cash right now? Yeah. No, of course. That's always going to work. And uh, and anything, basically, at this point, you go in. I mean, that that's why it's impressive that Walt did it at a Sam's Club because it's like a corporate situation. There's not usually a whole lot of wiggle room there. But, like, any time – this is like a, a – you know, not even really a life hack, but for the kids out there, I mean, I know we have a lot of dirt balls who don't know their zip code, so – I guess some things that are obvious we should still share. But, like, if you ever go to your mechanic and, you know, he gives you an estimate, always be like, what if I pay you cash? Like, oh, well, you pay me cash. That's a whole different story. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, cash is king, especially people who don't want to pay taxes. So if you got cash, always make that offer. You get you know, cash up front. I mean, even apartments, looking for apartments in L.A., it's all, I've always been like, like my first move well what if it was 150 bucks less they're usually like yeah we could probably do that we could probably figure something out yeah the amount of times i've paid for what the apartment was listed well in the words of randy moss straight cash homie Mm -hmm. a classic line let's talk a little major league baseball let's do it wait 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 wait. sorry since we're throwing out negotiation tactics okay Got to throw something out for all the dirt okay. balls out there. If you're negotiating, you always anchor first. Anchoring. What do you mean? What's anchoring. That, what's is, that mean? Anchoring is throwing out the first number, whether it's higher or lower, whatever you want it to be. But you got to set the tone first. If they anchor first, you're already you're, you're already at a disadvantage because they're 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 taking the lead of controlling how it's going. You anchor first, and then you and then you play the dance, go back and forth. So that's where you want. So you're going to get a car. Is this a is this like a uh, known theory or is this your interesting? Is, this, is it Aaron's theory of negotiating? No, no, it's a known theory. Like because okay. I always do that, and the problem is, like, my my gut reaction is always my instinct is always to do that. Like, okay, I want to start here, but like the other day, for example, I threw I was negotiating for a bike. I threw it out, and the guy like jumped at my initial offer. I was like, shit, did I go too high in my initial offer? I mean, I I like that price. But now I'm like, he jumped at it so quick, I'm wondering if I could have gone even lower. It means he did, but it's also dumb on his part. Um, right. Because, yeah, you, you never want to jump at the first offer. But, uh, yeah, that's what I say when you anchor. You always want to go with like what's like your, your best, whatever your like ideal situation is. Anchor with that and then work from there, and then you usually end up somewhere else. Like I, I like it. I do like that mindset. I, I think, again, a positive silver lining through – this awful pandemic, I think negotiations are going to be on the table for a lot of stuff now. Like we as the consumer, I already feel it. And maybe it's a false sense of confidence in the consumer. I think us as consumers have power. It's a good feeling, man. Well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I've seen, I've seen it go both ways. There's certainly some things are going to be affected. I just read a story about how, Airbnbs, like people who have made money on Airbnb, it's like crippling them. And it's like good because you guys were driving up rental prices by owning 
houses that you really couldn't afford to own and whatever. And I'm, by the way, I'm not anti Airbnb. Did you Did you read that in the Wall Street Journal? I don't know. Did I? They did a big article on okay. it. Okay. And then, uh, and I'm not anti Airbnb. I'm all for that that life. It's just the people who are driving it up are the people who again have multiple. Yeah. So rental prices are coming down, especially like where we live, Venice Beach towns in California. It's gonna it's gonna help all that. But at the same time, I've seen. Even in just simple things, restaurants, bars, whatever. Like some people are trying to take uh, advantage of this where it's like, hey, yeah, we'll deliver. But now pizzas are $60 and you're like, oh, fuck, I guess I got to. So I've seen it go both ways. I mean, we've been talking about this. Generally, you're like, oh, well, prices for baseball games and football games and parking are going to go down. I'm like, I think, again, the I th opposite. I think they will. I think I think billionaire owners are going to be like, we lost three weeks of a season where you have to make up for that. And people are just going to go, well, okay, football. I guess my confidence in prices going down is not only that everyone's not going to have money. It's the fear factor. The, the, you can never underestimate the the fear and that emotion. And I, I think that's a that's going to be a real thing, Prano. That is, how many people are going to want to sit in a packed stadium? Now, I don't have that fear because I refuse to live my life in fear like that. I think a lot of people will. Yeah, but my point is that the owners are going to know that you still exist and they have to make up for the one out of three people that are in fear and they've got to raise prices to make that balance happen. I, I hope you're wrong and I hope I'm right because I just I don't see that happening. Again, they don't have that leverage. that They just don't. I mean, just look at every single major I, I mean baseball especially is a sport where there's no salary cap look at every single team that suddenly goes we're going to be competitive like the dodgers you know when when they sold to the magic johnson group or whatever and they've been very competitive since it happened they're like we're gonna spend we are gonna spend and we are gonna spend to win we're a big market and it's like now you go to dodger stadium it's 60 dollars to park and f you know 41 dollars for a michelada it's $30 to park, but yeah, I get your point. It's not cheap to go to a Dodgers game. Because they're like, hey, we're going to spend money. We're going to make more money. Yeah. The, 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 the balance sheet has to look the same for them at the end. So if people aren't showing up, the people that are are going to get fucked. That's my prediction. Then no one will show up. That's my prediction. Well, my, my, you would think that, but imagine telling Walt Ruther in 1985 when he was taking – you know, three kids to a baseball game that to take somebody to a Cincinnati Reds game in 2020 was going to cost him $40 a ticket, $15 a beer. He'd be like, I'm never going. But people are going. I mean, they have pushed us past the point of sporting events have pushed us way past the point of reality in terms of what things cost. I agree. So we, we're, we're already down a rabbit hole that like, it's hard to come back from. But I think this pandemic, again, hits that giant reset button. Because maybe even... I hope you're right, but I don't think you are. But I think I am. I think even people like me, like, are now considering... In the past, I would not have taken that stand. I wouldn't have said, eh, I don't want to pay that money. I'll just own it. I'll suck it up. And I'll then I'll bitch about it. So I'll be a complete hypocrite. And that's true. Like, I, I am part of the problem. When I bitch about this stuff. And when, so the governor is saying right now, right, that they're going to close beaches, like officially, like they're going to like force close beaches and parks and stuff like that. 
Do you think tomorrow, if the governor is like, we're closing it all, you know, people are just showing up too much. The idea of social distancing doesn't work. Now, for $5, you can go to the beach. I bet you people would pay it. I bet you suddenly something that was free, you could charge $5 for because of the pandemic. And I think people would pay it. So I, it's I'm, not, I'm not understanding the correlation. The correlation is that the idea that things are going to get cheaper because people are going to be afraid. It's like, no, we're going to bring back something that you're now itching for so bad. We know we don't have to drop prices. You you were literally sitting here a week ago, like the second this ends, I'm going to Vegas. <laughs> like Vegas is like, we're ready for you. And no, we are not discounting hotel prices. The second this opens, I'm telling Vegas, you, pri- man. Vegas prices are going to be exactly what they were. I think you're wrong. I hope you're wrong. I I, I dude, you're dude. I okay. I'm I mean, not we a- were talking about pandemic airline flights, like when it first started, and I was like, I gotta get a ticket to New York. They're eighty six dollars. How much does it cost you to go round trip to Cincinnati? Well, Cincinnati's always the worst to go through. It's two hundred fifty bucks. So not a super discount in this in these. In these, everybody's getting on an airplane well, covered in bacteria. It is. I COVID bought, times. I bought my ticket two week. You know, I bought my ticket last week. I'm flying out next week. I bought my ticket two weeks in advance. It's it's still for Cincinnati. That's a that's a cheap price. You're right. It's not insanely cheap. But but my point again about myself is, if they reopen sports events to the fans, Joe, and all these leagues want to still give me the big middle finger. Yeah, I might just give it right back. Screw you. I'll stay at home. I think more people will do that. I hope more people will. Because people, if, if they understand, we have power. We do. The, the mass has always had the power. We've just never used it. And we've always bitched. Again, I'm Yeah, so now suddenly you're having, like, you're having confidence in the mass of people. I will never, I don't and will never have that because I've just seen how people act and react. Let's, let's start it, man. We're, it starts right here in dirty sports. If these billionaire owners want to continue to overcharge and take advantage of us as sports fans, we don't go plain and simple. I mean, I mean that, that's what it is at the end of the day. Good luck with that. Let's start a revolution, people. I'll be the I'll be the Bernie Sanders of the sports world. What are we doing supporting these people? There is there like again, this is something I say all the time. The United States government system is literally set up. The first sole purpose of the way our government is built right now is to ensure that revolutions no longer happen. <laughs> and you're talking about billionaire owners. The United States government just gave the Lakers how much money in small business loans? $3.4 million. They just handed the, the Los Angeles Lakers $3.4 million. Which they're returning. <laughs> didn't Doesn't mean they didn't apply for it and get it. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely major holes in the stimulus package. They're like, look. There was literally a guy on the phone, you know, one of the bus family on the phone with an accountant and was like, when we come back, we're going to have to, like, lower prices to get people in. He's like, what are you, stupid? Just apply for a small business. The government's going to give you, like, $5 million. And he's like, okay. And then the government did. Yeah, that, that was really, really disturbing to see that the Lakers got the loan. 
and I looked into it. So I guess any business that has 500 or, le- or less than 500 employees can apply for a small business loan, and the Lakers don't have 500 employees. And obviously they got it. They gave it back. But the fact that the Lakers even applied for it, not a good look. Not a good look, but kind of proves my point, which is these guys will find any way that they can to steal money. And the idea that you're going to benefit from this in some terms of like two-for-one Lakers tickets. Lakers ain't dropping their ticket prices, guy. Lakers have been sold out when they were bad, when they were good, when they weren't doing shit. Like, Lakers ain't dropping their ticket prices. I think the Lakers, you know, are not the norm, though. I agree. It's the Lakers, the famous Lakers. But, I, I, I again, maybe it's uh, naive confidence. I think a lot of teams will. I think people are going to say, I'm not paying this much money for a beer to watch the Chargers when nobody, you know, when they need a fan base. I think I think a lot of teams are going to maybe change. I don't know. But Major League Baseball is finally allowing teams to offer refunds for games. It took them this long. Major League Baseball is allowing teams? Yes. Okay. Because they were saying forever, it's all up in the air. But finally this week, they've realized... And we've known this for a while. They're not going to play a 162-game season. Right. So start giving people their money back. The season was supposed to start, what, March 27th? Yeah. March 28th, whenever it was. It was over a month ago. So now, after two fans filed a lawsuit out here in California, finally, they can give refunds. So it's a start. Yeah. And... I don't know, man. I, I I know what you're saying, but what I'm saying is glad that it happened. Absolutely, you shouldn't be charged for games that you're not going to go to. Two people's not a revolution. I know, but but Joe, again, the Dodgers are a great example. You you and I go to a lot of Dodgers games. I'd say the majority of the Dodgers fans are blue collared, hardworking people for the most part. What are you saying? The majority of fans that attend games? Yes. Okay. Give or take. Okay. Continue. We we won't. We don't need to carve that. I'm not talking about the up. box suites. I'm talking about the fans that you and I are sitting with. Right. I think it's mostly there's. You see a lot of families. The the Dodgers, especially from the Hispanic side, they have a very loyal, avid fan base. My point is this: when all this ends. How many of these people who didn't have work or been out of work can afford the $30 parking on top of the tickets, on top of the beer? I'm telling you, I, you, you would have to think the Dodgers are going to say, we can't charge $30 for parking this year. We can't charge it. Like, I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think you are. But I guess we'll find out. Cutting their schedule in half and then cutting their prices in half essentially cuts their schedule into a quarter, right? You think a you think a major league baseball team can survive on a quarter of the money they made last year? I mean, they can survive, but well, they don't like it. Well, players are going to have to start taking pay cuts. Good luck with that as well. I agree. The union's strong. Yeah. But look, everyone's taking pay cuts. 
I don't, did you see Roger Goodell has stopped paying himself? Well, thank God. Well, no, and I'm not sitting here like applauding how he's such a noble person for doing that. But the point is, if if the commissioner, and obviously he makes like 30, 35 million, <laughs> makes a lot of money. Yeah. But if he stopped taking paychecks, I mean, it's real. I don't, I, I don't know, but the idea that Joe was um, putting out about how they're going to kind of like price gouge, I feel like that's that's uh, just creating a bubble. Like that's like how they start. You know what I mean? Like people will do it for a little bit because they missed interactions so much and the physical aspect and everything. But with less spending power, I feel like that's just asking to like be like, all right, never mind. I can't do this anymore. I literally can't do this anymore. Um, I mean, we're we are so many decades behind major sports in America pricing out the average person. I mean, you look at football with basically any city. I mean, the Los Angeles Chargers, again, have been playing in a soccer stadium to basically only opposing fans. So you got in in what is literally the needle in the haystack example of a franchise in the NFL that isn't looking at their fans and going, if you don't have $5,000 cash right now for the option to buy your seat every year, we're not fucking interested. The idea that they care at all about their fan base and like the loyal fan that's been coming for years buying tickets, they don't, none of them, at all. What they care about is making the most money that they possibly can. So in whatever the math is when this all happens is going to be how do we make the most money possible? Not how do we get the most people back? Not how do we keep the stadium as full as it can be? Because honestly, especially in baseball, I mean, watch any New York Yankees game. You would think the stadium is empty every game because the 20 seats that you can see right behind home plate are always empty unless it's the playoffs because they gouge those prices to go, we will make more money selling two of those seats at the price we sell them at than cutting them in half and selling at however many more. Like they've figured this out and they have teams of accountants. So the idea that there's going to be any thought after this happens of like, let's get our fans back. Yeah, maybe you might have a Mark Cuban here and there or one or two guys who are like, it's important to us. The majority of franchises are going to say, how do we make the most money possible in t- as a Band-Aid until the new, no- new normal, which is a year, a, a full season later. Like if Major League Baseball plays 100 games, but then they start up in April of next year to play 162, that's the only window that they're going to care about. By next April, opening day next year, we don't give a shit what the, these people, they'll have long forgotten about this. How do we make the most money for these hundred games? That's what's going to be their approach. I don't know if that means dropping ticket prices or dropping prices of parking or whatever. I'm sure it's not going to be the same in every situation, but the idea to me that this is somehow going to lead to discounts for us, I just think is, you know, hopeful, but unrealistic. But, but I also think this notion of the, I mean, maybe if we get Walt, to do, you know, do some negotiations for us. <laughs> it's a different story. I just think that you are 
underestimating the treacherous and greedy behavior of billionaire owners that have long given up the you know fantasy that they care at all about their fans. I agree with you there. And I don't think I'm... It's not about me underestimating the sick greediness of the owners. Because I 100% agree with you. My side is actually saying the world has changed for a foreseeable future. Especially economically. Like, like for, for me, on this whole pandemic, I'm most fascinated with the economic ramifications. And I think too many people have been naive to fully understand that we are, by all means, this is factually true, going to be in the worst depression since the Great Depression. Look, we could go down. There's so many wormholes to go down here, including. But hold on. But, But there's a reason I'm saying that. So to me, it does change the dynamic of all entertainment, not just for a year, for a long period of time. And I could be wrong. And again, I'm not, you know, I'm not an economist or economist, but I, I just think that this, what's happening now is going to have such a long-term effect on a lot of things. And, and it's great that you brought up Mark Cuban. You know, he, he had a great thing that he said, I don't know, it was last month. And I think he's right. He was talking about companies in general, but Mark Cuban said, how companies treat their employees and how companies are going to treat customers in the future after this, like people aren't going to forget, if that makes sense. I disagree. Okay. People won't forget for a little while. But again, I've told I've told the story a million times. New York post 9-11 was a sad but beautiful place. Suddenly New Yorkers cared about each other and people were kind and people were respectful and people were all on the same team. And then one day, four months later, we all woke up and everybody was like, Hey, can't you see I'm fucking walking here? Like it all just went back. Honestly, it was kind of overnight. For a while we were all team New York. Yeah. And everybody's watching everybody's back and no one wanted anybody like you know, uh, racially profiled and everybody was on the same team. Hey, that guy's fine. Don't you dare because he's Arab or Muslim or whatever. Go, treat him like that. We're f- don't fuck with New Yorkers. And then one day we all woke up and we're like, the fucking Mexican guy at the bodega is gouging me on fucking beer prices again, this motherfucker. And everybody went back to normal. And, and I know what you're saying, but... To me, 9-11 just pales in comparison. We're talking about a global pandemic. Uh, and that's, that's my point. We're, we're talking about an entire world that has been shut down. 9-11 shut down the airline industry for a minute. The, the entire world has been shut down. We don't know the effects of this. We just don't, man. I mean, restaurants and bars in the state of California have basically, or at least in the big cities, have been shut down since March 16th. It's April 30th. Dude, we we don't know the effects that's going to have. Oh, I mean, we're seeing the effects. And look, there's a lot of people who are like, this isn't that big a deal. Open everything back up. The numbers aren't what they say. Like, the pandemic is real. Now, you know, I've done, I've done my conspiracy 
deep dives on, you know, did China kill some of their own people just to cripple the United States economy with their, you know, basically biological warfare? Eh, maybe. I'm sure Alex Bresler just got a, a, a boner and some baby oil just at the mention of that. Uh, but um, it is real and it is potentially like purposely attacking the global economy for a lot of people. But the bottom line is how it affects you and me and twerks and Obviously, I, I was I wouldn't even say 99 percent of the people that listen to dirty sports way closer to the to 100 percent. But the way it affects the 99 percent and not the one percent are totally different things. And they always will be. And we're talking about how it's going. We're a sports show. So we're talking about how it's going to affect us and watching sports and ticket prices and all that. And the people who own franchises are the one percent. And they're going to be just fucking fine. No, you're right. A hundred percent. You're a hundred percent right. And we'll probably get fucked because that's how it works. Yeah. In every situation, the 1% fucks the 99%. And if the 1% is getting fucked, that just means the 99% has to get double fucked. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying, uh, Andy. I think the, like just the unprecedented, uh, lack of spending power is going to be, scary I, I don't know um what the i guess economic future is going to look like in that sense from like a job standpoint and just all the the day-to-day stuff um that doesn't affect the one percent like you're talking about because yeah they're going to be fine yeah uh, life goes on i i just think this is going to change look i look i i think americans it's good and bad and i think i look at it more towards good i think we have a short-term memory just in general, and I think that can be good. It can obviously be bad as well, but I think this thing will have a short-term memory, but I just think the ripple butterfly effect, again, on all industries, is it's just going to change things. I mean, I mean, people genuinely have fear. Dude, I can see it in people's eyes. Like... And to be honest, I think it's kind of embarrassing. Like, don't live your life in fear. But, like, I see it. You can profit a lot on fear. There's a lot of people who've, who who are only in the fear business. I agree. You're right. But I'm saying, go outside, man. I've been, I've been, you know, running a lot. I see it in people's eyes. Like, people are scared shitless. And you know who's profited off the fear? 99% of the news organizations. It's all fear-mongering. Fear news. Corona. corona. Dude, look at Twitter. You know, and you, know, you know who owns the... The 1%. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But the revolution starts here from a couch in Venice Beach. Ladies and gentlemen, if they want to charge us absurd amount of prices for tickets, for food, for beer... We will not support those leagues and those teams. And I will be your leader in this. I will be marching with a mullet down the streets throughout this great country that we have. You can run for president. I am going to lead this nation against these absurd prices. 
You heard it here first, Joe Prano. Andy Ruther versus the 1%. Yeah, that's right. Three percenters versus the 1%. <laughs> you know, Joe, we all, we all have our calling in life. Yeah. And your calling, as you know, since you turned the ripe age of 21, has been an official advocate of our good friends at Miller Lite. You're absolutely right, Andy. Since the ripe age of 21, I have been enjoying Miller Lite. I only enjoy Miller Lite legally. But, you know, lately I do enjoy it at home. I have it delivered. So many delivery services, Andy. There are. I mean, there are. And the first thing I do when I download one of these delivery apps, I check. I see if they have Miller Lite. I use my first-time promo code, and I get myself some Miller Lite. I love it. It's the best beer ever. It's my favorite beer ever. You know that. Everybody knows that. It's your go-to beer while you're enjoying some Netflix, right? Netflix and chill. Hulu and chill. doesn't matter. Basically, the chill is Miller Lite. That's right. That's what we're doing. I used to cozy up with a, with a loving someone. Now I cozy up with a can of Miller Lite. 96 calories? Is that it, Andy? Miller Lite, Joe. The original light beer. That's right. While you're home, like you, enjoy a classic. Available for delivery today, just like Joe said. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. And I have a fridge stocked full of Miller Lite. I know. What time is it now? That doesn't matter. Time time doesn't matter. It's a social construct. But what what time is it? It's 3.09. I mean, it's honestly ridiculous. Yeah. That... I drank coffee until 3 o'clock. Yeah. It's, it's quarantine time. Let me get myself a Miller Lite. <laughs> Done cutting that out. You're such, a ja- you're such a jackass. You're such a jackass. Absolutely a jackass. All right. let's. Uh, we've been going on for a minute. Here's what I'm thinking. Jack. Let's save... Like This is all not going to be in the show. Okay. Let, let's save the calls... We have a lot of calls. To me, like that's a whole episode because we have some good calls. Okay. Like that's a one. Hey, we can do this. Like over the. I mean, weekend. how long have we gone right now? What one thirty-five? What about okay. what about advertising it to the dirt balls that we're going to be doing a calls only episode? So make your calls now. I don't know. I don't know how many. Calls well, no, I, no. I'm saying, look, right now on the list, I have eight. Okay. So my point is. I'm saying let's do well if you have other stuff to do, let's do it now. You can put a button on this at one forty five and then play the calls and record it right now. I won't even leave. I mean, I don't know what Twerk's gotta do, but let's just get that do an hour episode of calls right now and save it. Okay. You mind opening that window again, Twerks? Oh yeah.
We'll do this NCAA thing. Pick a call. We'll listen to a call. We'll answer it, and you say that we're going to do a whole episode about it. So get your calls in. You know what I mean? We've got a bunch of other calls. We don't have time for it. We're actually going to do a whole episode of calls. Call the hotline right now. Next week, when you're traveling, say, you know. Two weeks. Yeah, whatever. Just be like, get your calls in. I mean, are any of these time-sensitive calls? Let's see. No. Right. I mean, look at these. These are all... So then just pick one and do that and promote calling and be like, that's what we're going to do. Over the weekend, we're going to record an entire episode of the call. Okay. calls in, not, not just sports calls, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you guys want to, you ready to go back? Well, Prano, we're talking about the 99 versus the 1%. It looks like the little man, a.k.a. the college athlete, is going to get a couple W's coming up here. Okay, I see the headline is NCAA plan for players profiting on image and likeness. What does this mean, Andy? Joe, this means a new proposal, and it's not the best. I think it's still a work in progress, in my opinion. You need to take care of these guys. Has the, But the NCAA has outlined a proposal for allowing college athletes to retain agents and also profit from their name, image, and likeness. I think this is uh, bad. Why? I think what this does is wow, yeah, wow. But but here's why, because I think what this does in terms of the college uh, sports experience and in terms of competitive balance within college sports, now we already have take a, for example a Kentucky Wildcats basketball. We already have guys that are joining Kentucky because John Calipari is essentially what he's offering you is come here, win for me for a year, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to get you paid. That That's for sure his sell to athletes, right? Yeah. So now we're going to have this whole other dynamic of come to Alabama and play football. We got the best agents. We got, got, you're going to be signing at car shows. You're going to be, you'll have your own soda in the markets around Tuscaloosa. You have what, like, and it's just going to be an even greater divide between the haves of college sports and the have-nots. And again, this is, it's going to take the cream of the crop of college athletics and make them even more close to what I've been saying the whole time that they're essentially professional sports and then the second level that are still collegiate athletics but there was already a major divide yeah I know we don't I don't think that the answer is separate that divide I have said again this is a million time I'll say it about college football instead of trying to make everybody a you know essentially professional sports team masked under a college banner make everybody a college sports team and embrace this go to the g league go to the development league go to this football go to the xfl which isn't you know whatever the case may be but i can tell you one thing missouri football 
which I believe is an SEC team, right? Yeah. Ain't going to be getting the same kind of agents and benefits, and they're going to be making dollars on on. their thing. The team isn't getting agents. It's just saying. I I understand that, Andy. That the team wasn't giving Florida State quarterbacks cars either, but they were. Look, man. I am a huge proponent. Is that the right word? Advocate? I don't know, because I don't know what you're going to say next. Advocate, proponent, synonyms? Sure. Both work. I'm a huge proponent of the free market system, and that's what this is. We're, We're saying, look, you are an athlete, and if somebody wants to use you in a local car commercial for Tuscaloosa Ford, you should be allowed to. Or if they want to use your image, if you're Tua down at Alabama, they should be allowed to use your image, and you should be allowed to get paid. Of all of the major sports uh, leagues, Andy, which would you say has the least parity? That's a good question. Are you talking between football and basketball? Football, basketball, baseball, hockey. We're talking college. No, I'm talking about professional. The least parity. Like, like for example, every year, which league is dominated by the teams that have the most money? Probably baseball. Yeah, 100% baseball. But I'm not sure on the numbers. What what aren't you sure on the what is that what do you mean you're not sure on the numbers like I don't know the salary cap versus teams that make the playoffs obviously the Astros were, right. were put together and now they've re-signed the guys but they right. were put together with small amounts of money the Yankees o- the o- Red Sox the Oakland, Dodgers Oakland's been successful through Moneyball obviously they haven't won anything there there is certainly I mean you can talk about free market all you want as long as you know that that means that the most successful college sports programs are going to get more successful, and there is going to be a greater divide between them and the rest of them. We're we're back to the ninety nine percent and the one percent. Kentucky basketball. John Calipari's already working with agents, and he's already working with people. Come here, I got a guy. He's going to take you right out of freshman year and take you right to the NBA. Why even wait? Come here, sign with this guy now. He's going to get you paid while you're here. The brow, people at Kentucky are going to be wearing the brow in the stands, and you're going to make money on it. Come here. What are you? Where are you going to go? Come here. But already lot, work with these guys. But a lot of those guys already were getting paid under the table. That's that's exactly the point. Right. So now it's going to be what above board, and now the teams that the places that can spend are going to be able to freely spend. They don't even have to hide it. But again, it's it's not the school spending, Joe. Uh, and what I'm telling you is, it is the whole this whole time the the boosters that own car dealerships in Florida and Florida State and Kentucky, those are the guys who have, booster is paying you money to do something. Those guys are now going to come on down to Tuscaloosa Ford and and get your picture taken with Tua. It's going to be great. And then they give him money, and th- that guy comes to Alabama for that reason. And Mizzou is like, again, I believe, can't, 
then get better players, Mizzou. Again, that's 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 where I view it. If you want to compete with the Alabamas, the Auburns, the Georgias, the LSUs, get better players. And I'm telling you, it's going to be harder for them to get better players because now the basically purchasing of players is legal. I don't think it affects it that much, personally. Okay. Because I also think what's happening now is especially... The NCAA will do anything that they can possibly do to avoid basically being collegiate athletics. We're never going to... It's never going to be collegiate athletics. So just so you know, every shift in the dynamic to keep you guys, to keep the woke people out there from being upset that these guys are slave labor for UNC or Alabama or Auburn or whatever is going to be so that they can profit and so that they this is only to avoid people from saying this shit anymore but it still works in their favor but they are but the the slave labor thing it's we both agree it's not about school Okay, let's just, for example, players profiting on their image and likeness. Who are these players, Andy? They're obviously the elite players. Yeah, they're the, they're the seven college football players you know. They're the five college basketball players you know. I mean, this is basically the O'Bannon brothers being upset that, you know, NCAA basketball on PlayStation, they didn't make any money on it. And, yeah, Joe Burrow's making a couple bucks selling his jersey this year. Tua's making a couple bucks selling his jersey this year. Those guys are getting paid. They just made they just got drafted top 5 picks in the NFL. But I don't I think you're also underestimating not even the big programs, the towns that really support their teams. Those guys could make money. You're you're underestimating the quarterback for Iowa State in the middle of Ames, Iowa, who the local car dealerships like Hey, let's bring this guy down. Good for him. He can make what's what's wrong with the quarterback at not a major program making a few bucks? Cool. I'm all for that. Great. Good for them. Glad that that's going to happen. Also, this is going to make the top programs even more elite and make the mid-majors less major. But anything can happen in college basketball tournament. Yeah, except Kentucky and North Carolina are going to win every fucking year. Like they already were, and Duke, and whatever, but, and all the programs. But, but that's that not can, true, Joe. I think you can leverage I, the guys. I, I disagree with you. I think you're just you're just tossing out blanket statements. When's the last time Kentucky won a championship? But when's the last time Kentucky missed out on being basically a great program for more than two to three years at a time when they lose players after one season? You're talking about a you're talking about a basketball program that never has players matriculate. And still competes for a title every what two to three years. Meanwhile, mid-major schools, the way they compete for a title is by having teams that grow into being seniors. I'm just saying, I'm glad that a couple of players are going to profit from this, but this is this is throwing bread to the fucking ducks. So that the woke people can go away and stop complaining that these guys don't get anything. It's not going to change anything for the left tackle at Ole Miss. 
unless they bring back NCAA college football for PlayStation and Xbox, and then I guess he'll get a check for 11 bucks. But the idea that you would rather not see these guys profit when they're being exploited, I don't that that's Why the, are they being exploited? You just said that it costs you $50,000 a year to go to St. Louis University. So that means the basketball players are essentially getting a check handed to them every year for $50,000. That that's that's completely ridiculous. I don't understand how. Because one it's not student athlete. It's just not. This this notion that it's student athlete. It's not. Well, this at St. Louis University it is, correct? Yes or no? Those guys, their 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 life plan isn't to go to the NBA. Maybe one guy every however many years that works out for them. But their their goal is to pay for college by being good at basketball, maybe competing for a championship of the whatever division conference they're in. There's absolutely no belief that they're winning the NCAA basketball tournament. Well. One, the amount of time that these guys put in, if you want to say, hey, they're getting a $200,000 tuition for free by going to a school like that, the amount of hours that they're putting in, if you really broke that down, it's a lot of hours. Okay. I don't, I'm not, I don't follow. You're saying they're getting it for free. It's not for free. None of this is for free. Well, they're getting school for free in exchange to play basketball. Yeah, but my point is a lot of these guys, even even at a school like that, uh, a mid-major in the Atlantic 10 Conference, it's still not, it's still not about school when they're getting recruited. It's about making a good basketball team. A lot of them have tutors. They're traveling all the time. They're not in class, right? They're still traveling all over the country. This notion that it's student athlete, it's just it's just not true. It's just not. I I don't understand. It's that's you just said you just ex- described what being a student athlete is and then said the idea that it's a student athlete is just not true. Being a student athlete is exactly that. Playing sports, traveling, practicing, whatever, whilst going to school and uh, having a GPA high enough to compete, and in return, not paying your tuition. And for the elite guys at for the UNC basketball team, it's pretending to go to school, having teachers go. Today's class is called. You get a A if you don't show up. It's a social experiment. Join the sociology department and then don't come to class and see what we did here. And then some guy who's a tutor is taking 12 guys' tests. And, I mean, this is all on record. Every one of these big schools has been hit for academic violations because they completely don't let the guys go. Like, my point is, this just... Let's those guys profit. The guys who are profiting from this are the ones that are going to school and are going to make money from sports and don't have to go to class. But again, I just disagree. Okay. 
But like I said, you're you're okay. Well, when you buy the jersey of the guy from the St. Louis Billikens with his name on the back, and you, uh, you know, and he makes a couple bucks off you, I'll believe you. But I have a feeling next year we're going to see a lot more, you know, the starter at LSU's jersey, who's probably going to be a top pick anyway, being sold to LSU kids. I'm not disagreeing with that, but again, you're you're basically saying that a lot of these guys, again, that's why I use the Iowa State as an example, of these smaller schools or the not prominent schools from their conference, it doesn't mean these guys shouldn't be allowed the potential to also earn money yeah. for their jerseys. I'm glad that they have that potential. They're just not going to. And what we're gonna what we're feeding people is the idea that that's a thing when it's not, to keep them off of their back of you're exploiting these players, which, for the most part, they're not. So, I uh, actually researched this this whole issue quite a bit because um, I had to write a paper for it for school. But uh, I understand the rich get richer aspect of it, but at the same time, um, I think it's beneficial in the sense that Yes, the smaller guys and the lesser-known schools, the mid-majors, at least have the opportunity to make some money. Like, it's no longer taking some rights away from them to profit as if they could if they were working because the majority of the athletes aren't – they don't. They're not allowed to they're work. They're not allowed to work, so they which I've always said. Allow them to do that if these guys want to do that. Of course, there's no reason that that shouldn't be a thing. The only reason that that is a rule is because what will happen if you allowed players to work – is that the starting quarterback of Alabama would get a job answering phones at the Ford dealership in Tuscaloosa, never show up, and get put on salary for $60,000 to go to Alabama. That's why they can't have jobs. This The problem is that the system is set up so that the obvious answers can't work because they're just going to be taken advantage of. But please continue. So most of the guys can't they, they can't work because their schedules you know too much practices too many too many uh voluntary workouts they're actually you know not realist, voluntary mandatory, of course, right? of course. But they're voluntary for reporting requirements uh so these guys don't have time to work a lot of them aren't on full scholarships or any scholarship at all um they get whatever stipend they get but it doesn't cover much more than room and board um and books so they're kind of in a tough position banking on the school's meal plan whatever uh so maybe now those guys might have some potential to make some money it could be very small amounts, but at least they have the opportunity. Uh, but I think on the other hand, um, the punishments are now so much different. So many times schools were getting dinged for stupid things or players uh, for trying to profit. You know, uh, AJ Green sold his jersey, suspended for four games in playoffs. Right. Just stupid bullshit like that. Now these guys will no longer be punished for stupid things when you look at the NCA who was turning in so much cash you're like well this is dumb you can profit off this in the student store because you sell it but he wants to sell his game worn jersey and now he's suspended so i think at least in that sense now we don't have to we're not playing pretend anymore we right. understand that it isn't necessarily student athlete yes it's student athlete by name but in reality and now they're the, taking basketball but, and, and now the the same way the rules before were put in place to the rules of a guy can't work is put in place to protect, again, what I said, some big booster hiring a guy on a bullshit job to like make a bunch of money so that he goes to Georgia. Um, or guys selling jerseys, 
the same way those rules were put in place for those very small number of guys, this allow this like this. I don't even know how, what you would call it. This, um, you know, canceling of that rule that these guys can't profit. The the lifting of these restrictions are also put in place for those guys. So yes, now the starting point guard at St. Mary's can sell his jersey. But what it really does is it allows the starting point guard at Kentucky to be courted by an agent to go to Kentucky before he's even a professional athlete. My point is, is just the NCAA will do. But he was already being courted. Yeah. But now what they're doing is instead of at least having these hoops to jump through where guys are going, are, are it's all being illegal and then Rick Pacino's getting pushed out of basketball for two years and they're pretending like it's a big thing instead of having a dog and pony show that they're like trying to enforce these rules now they're saying ah fuck it we're going to solve two problems here we're going to really not have to change anything except for allowing those guys to get paid but now it being above board and we're Again, feeding breadcrumbs to the woke ducks who are like, you should let players profit. And the answer is the NCAA will do anything that they can possibly do to not go back to just being like student athletes competing in sports because that's not what it is. The cat's out of the bag, and they'll never go back to that. Do you think uh, players still leave as early for yeah. the for the like the one and dones? Yeah, but but it's not. That's not. That's the point I was trying to get to earlier. The one and done is not going to be a thing because they're getting they're getting rid of that. They're they're going to get rid of that. You have to play one year. They're going to go back. This has already been discussed with the NBA and with college and with NCAA. They're getting rid of that. We already first. We've already seen the development. It's not even the G League. The guy, what's his name, who's going to make. Like five hundred grand right. or, or a million. So now the so we all agree that one and done was set up to benefit college basketball, correct? A hundred percent. Okay. So now we've removed that. Coming soon. Coming soon. Coming soon. In a couple re- years. Coming soon. We've removed that. Now you can go. You can go straight to the NBA at a high school again, or you can go straight to the G League at a high school again. Wait, you sorry. Can do all that. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to jump in. That that's a NBA collective bargaining rule. Right. That's not an NCAA rule. But. It's, the one and it, done. That's NBA. Right. But it's set up for it's set up for a number of reasons. One, guys were coming into the league and blowing all their money because they weren't whatever. Guys were coming. But it is absolutely a sh- a backdoor handshake deal. Hey, make guys come here for a year. It benefits us. It benefits you. Everybody wins, right? They're more prepared to play in the league when they get there. They're more responsible, blah, 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 blah. So now we're removing that. So now the college basketball is like, well, how the hell are we supposed to get the the cream of the crop to come here if you're just going to pay them to be in the G League two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year? Well, what if we make it so that you guys can pay them too? Well, now we now now we're talking because Kentucky's got some money to pay some guys. It's bullshit. College basketball and college football, basically the only sports that we're really talking about here. <laughs> I I'd love to see the you know the girl on the field hockey team selling her likeness. Well, Joe, again, that's that's the free market. That's capitalism. That's how it works. It's the same reason the women don't make the same as the, as the NBA players. I am 100% in agreement with you. So let's stop pretending 
that this has anything to do with student athletes doing sports. And okay, it's a free market. Great. So I, I'm confused because like we're agreeing. I'm saying student athletes a sham. Now you're saying it's a sham. Where are we at? I'm confused. Uh, what I'm saying is. When you do this and you go like, I believe in the free market. Okay, great. So you believe that you want Alabama and Kentucky and North Carolina to be the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers. And the idea that March Madness is when anything could happen and who knows who could win the college football championships. What you're doing is you're saying... Mizzou, you're in the SEC. Sell a lot of tickets to your football games and, you know, put that money toward, you know, the, the school. But you're not winning shit. Uh, again, I do believe in anything being possible, and we've seen it time and time again. The Loyola Chicago's. Didn't the, win anything. Okay, let me finish. Can't I finish? The VCU's, the Butlers. I mean, the George Masons. I mean, back the, the the Oakland A's every year. They man, they make it. Oh, okay, that's fine. Well, hold on. We're talking. I'm naming a lot of schools that made the Final Four. We're, we're, we're talking, dude. Villanova's a small Catholic school. Yeah, they they won two titles recently. Yeah, Villanova's a small Catholic school that has a national presence and probably get students from all over the country to pay what is probably absurd tuitions because their basketball team is good. That's why they pay their head coach, head basketball coach, a ton of money. It's probably why they pay their best players a bunch of money under the table to come there. Duke is a small private university. Duke basketball. There ain't a Duke. Like go to Duke sometime. It's a lot of bros and a lot of Asians and then 12 black guys. Like, we're talking about these schools are built around basketball. And now those basketball schools are just going to be even more dominant. I, I, I just don't agree, and that's okay. fine. I, I, don't, I don't think this tips the favor that much more. You already have coaches working with agents at these schools we already know that sure so if now you can have an agent in college why are you not going to the school that's going to set you up with a great one i i think what's going to happen and i'll just kind of wrap this up because we don't see eye to eye on some of these things and that's fine i i think what's going to happen is with them getting rid of the one and done with the development league with the G League. Again, I'm talking more basketball right now. I think it's going to really level things out a lot because people have options, right? I mean, it's it's basic economics. It's supply and demand, right? If you have options, prices go down. Right? If you have more options, you can't just monopolize the price of something. So in that regard, I think the talent level isn't going to be monopolized anymore. It's going to be spread. Hey, some guys are going straight to the NBA. Hey, some guys are going straight to G League. Some guys are going to do the developmental thing. Some guys are going... Yeah, we're talking about what? Like, what maximum number? Give me, like, in the, in the greatest scenario ever. What's that number? What number of guys go straight out of high school to a development league, to the NBA, to a G League, to play overseas? What's the number? I don't know. In, in, in college basketball, let's say. I'm not sure because it hasn't been available. Okay, but I'm saying 
like do a ballpark. How many guys go, I'm good enough right now to be get played to play basketball, and I think that this is in my best interest long-term for my financial life to go now and get paid and not go to school? Let's or say whatever. 15 to 20 guys in the country. Okay. So now we're taking, what, two guys off of the eight best rosters in college basketball? And now those two guys that came off of the eight best college basketball teams, UNC, Villanova, Kentucky, whoever, they now have two more spots for guys on scholarship. So now what you're doing is you're taking two guys off of teams that couldn't make the Kentuckys and the Villanovas, and you're going, well, now we have room for you, so come here. So I actually think, again, the rich just get richer because you're taking the high-end talent pool and you're reducing it by 15 guys, and that just makes the spillover to schools that would normally maybe steal a guy from being able to steal a guy. I think it's a – well, I look, I mean, I think it's, the whole thing is a win-win for the NCAA and the players because I think the NCAA basically said checkmate to all these new development upstart leagues. They're like, no, fuck you. We're keeping the monopoly on the young talent. We're going to make it so much better to come to college. Now, you can get paid while you are here yep. at this big-time school. Yep. So, fuck the developmental leagues. Absolutely. Whatever you guys are trying to do, sorry, we ruined it. Yep. But now, it's also – so I think in that sense, like the NCAA – Totally smart move by them. Like, no, nah, fuck it. Let's just take over. Um, and then win for the players, too, because now less punishments, opp- more opportunities. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe guys yeah. do want to matriculate longer because why not? I'm making so much money now as this college star. Maybe my skills don't translate that well to the professional league. Fuck it. I'm going to ride out here for four years. I, again, I just think we're talking about a decision being made by guys who are basically considering – their opportunity to make money playing this sport anyway. It's such a small number of people. Like that that's the argument always on the other side of this. On the people who are profiting is like, oh yeah, for all of these guys who get to go on and make, you know, millions in the NFL or the NBA or baseball, there's thousands of people who are just here trying to be on the rowing team at Yale. And why shouldn't I be able to make a little bit of money. Why shouldn't I be able to work a job? Why Why are there rules in place for me that have basically only been developed for eight basketball players in the whole country? And it's like, great, fine. We've reduced those, we've reduced those rules. Now the rowing team at Yale can make money on their likeness. I can't wait to see the, the how capitalism, free market capitalism pays them for that. But again... That same argument can be used for any profession, any industry. That's why I use the WNBA versus NBA example. It's the, Joe. It's the same. It's almost like you're taking the side. So of, you don't believe in salary caps. You believe every league should be baseball. No, I didn't say that. Hold on. But why not? Hold on. You are a proponent, an advocate of pure capitalism. I didn't and say the free market economy. I, I'm a I'm a fan of capitalism. Obviously, any sort of you know any any sort of industry needs some sort of regulation like like, like you, I'm not like a laissez faire let's just capitalism run amok like I'm not one of those people I think you need certain restrictions and regulations but my point is you're almost taking the stance of the WNBA player who's like 
I deserve more money. We need to be paid like men. What's well, like, well, that's not how TV deals work. How am I doing that? Because you're you're complaining that's about That's a professional sports league which because, shouldn't exist but it's being underwritten by the NBA. Hold on. Be, because I'm making this analogy, you're talking about the Yale rower, Joe, who's not going to see the same amount of financial return. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm talking about every student athlete in America besides 30 players. But it's not just 30 players. Yes, it is. I mean, come on, man. We're talking about the people who are going to get rich from sports anyway. I sh- here. I'll put the call out to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Show me your mid-major basketball jerseys. Show them to me. Hit me online. Show me all of your fucking Loyola Chicago jerseys with the guy's fucking name on the back. Show them to me. Can't wait. The, at the Dirty Sports. Show me the uh, caricature t-shirt that you have of the guy on the Stanford tennis team. I want to see him. I want to see the... the. But I, don't, I want to see the I, money that should be going to all these student athletes that we're talking about. I don't. Know, I have a feeling. I don't know why you're getting so worked up about somebody not it's having. It's a sham to protect the bullshit NCAA that is essentially professional minor league college football and college basketball, and it's feeding bread to the woke ducks who are like athletes should be paid. Cool. This has absolutely not benefited anybody but the people that were already benefiting from the sham that is NCAA basketball and football and baseball but in your scenario you're saying nobody has that opportunity this actually gives an opportunity i'm saying the ncaa is a sham already i'm already i'm saying to do this has solved basically nothing in fact in some ways it may have made it worse in for competitive balance in college sports well i think aaron kind of laid out some areas where it did solve a lot of BS and fractions and all these litigious rules that they've created that they put in place again to stop 30 guys from working at fucking Tuscaloosa Ford and make $60,000 to do nothing to come to school and play quarterback there. Let's stop pretending this has anything to do with college sports. Let's just stop pretending doesn't. And then, or let's just go or, or be the, like be the person that goes, yeah, Fuck it. Like, I don't care. Like, let let the Giants and the Patriots and the L.A. Rams spend more money because they're bigger cities and they have more fans. And honestly, if you're a mid-market football, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself that you're the Jacksonville Jaguars and your tickets cost one-third of what L.A. Rams tickets are going to cost. In fact, go fuck yourself that the L.A. Chargers are selling personal seat licenses for a tenth of what the Rams are. Sorry, you have 10% of the money to spend. Good luck getting players. Go fuck yourself. You done? I'm just saying, you're a Chargers fan. The only opportunity that they have of competing in the city of Los Angeles is because there's a salary cap in football. Otherwise, the team that can't fill a, f- a soccer stadium with their fans can't compete with the team that can fill the Coliseum with their fans. But again, I, I, I don't I think this is apples to oranges. I don't know why we're talking south. Sal- like, I don't know what a salary cap 
has to do with this. I feel like we're spinning in circles at this point, and that's okay. fine. All right. I think we are, but I just think that everybody, this headline has done for you what it is, what it was meant to do. Make you feel like the, the NCAA players got to win. The NCAA players got to win, for sure. Three guys at Kentucky who, whoever Leon Rose's replacement is for buying players for Kentucky, now that he's the president of the New York Knicks, has has now had the restrictions lifted on him buying players to come to Kentucky. Now it's open market. It is a true like cattle drive. Go on. It's a cattle auction. Bid for whoever you want. Come here. Worldwide West takes care of all the players at UNC. You want to sell shoes? Worldwide West is the guy. I don't I don't know if it'll happen, but uh I mean, I kind of hope it does. I'm hoping that a player will uh, take advantage of this to stay in school longer. I mean, I look at someone like probably the most popular athletes of college recently were, you know, Joe Burrow and then Zion. I look at like, could you imagine if Zion decided to stay at Duke as a junior and could sell it like he could profit, you know what I mean, in the endorsements and stuff? I'd look, I mean, then, how much hype there would be, yeah, you know? Duke, and Duke, Duke in losing the in the what? The Elite Eight this year with all freshmen? Next year, it was all sophomores. Forget it. If Zion and R.J. Barrett are their junior year, well, now we're talking about can they go undefeated and beat everybody by 40? The rich get richer. Zion stays at Duke. Amen. R.J. Barrett stays at Duke. Call me romantic, but I still believe anything is possible in sports, man. Upsets happen. Upsets do happen. In the first round and the second round, the Oakland A's, man, they are, I mean, it's a true Cinderella story. They made a movie about it, and Brad Pitt played the GM. If you can make the playoffs and lose in the wild card game every year whilst having no money, Brad Pitt will play you in a movie. Dude, the Astros just won a World Series title. And, and yes, and I think we know why. There's going to be a movie about that, too. I don't know. I'm looking at it from like a And by the way also making. the uh, by the way the Houston Astros also won a World Series title by having a bunch of upstarts and then taking 35 million dollars and throwing it at Justin Verlander and blah blah and they brought they brought in all their big guns at the same exact time that they won the World Series. I'm just going to be excited when like that that first top player that normally would have other uh, you know decided to go to the NBA early or something decides to stay and is like, "You know what? No." I'm going to stay on campus and be a college god and then I don't think that'll make extra I don't, I don't think, know if they will. I don't think that'll happen. But it's now it's it's a question like maybe like well, do I well, go look, for a contract early look, guys, or do we, I stay for No one's more excited about that. I got to tell you no one's more excited about that possibility than Roy Williams uh Calipari, Mike Krzyzewski. No one's more excited about the possibility of going like, I think you're right, Aaron. I think with agents, these guys might stay for a couple of years. I feel like it'll build excitement around college sports. Yeah, that, that's not a bad thing, watching Zion and R.J. Barrett attempt to go undefeated. It's not, think, a, it's, it's not a bad thing. Just like it's not a bad thing. It's just a bad thing for every other student-athlete. It's not a bad thing watching the Golden State Warriors beat the Chicago Bulls' all-time win record. It's like... It's not a bad thing watching the New England Patriots go undefeated, who ultimately lost. That's all I'm saying. 
That's probably my biggest gripe with college sports is I don't have any connections to any teams because I don't know who's ever on the teams. It's, it's turnovers every fucking year. Well, look, guys, we've gone long. This we got. I, I do. I, I got to say before we continue, I those are fantastic points. I mean, the Patriots going undefeated and then losing to a ten and six team because the NFL has parity because they have a salary cap is very exciting. <laughs> Again, I did. I have not taken an anti-salary cap position, so don't pin that on me. I have I not. I have not once said. There shouldn't be salary caps. Do not pin that on me. Do not create... You just think there shouldn't be a salary cap in college. Do not create false narratives. There is no salary cap. Guys, it's been a very long episode. A very enjoyable one for me, I must say. I've, I've enjoyed some of these deep discussions. It's really got my... Uh, the neurons in my brain clicking. Th- doing a lot of thinking. This is good. We do have a hotline. It's 310-359-8365. And we are going to do an all-call episode that we're going to do before I leave for Cincinnati. So get those calls in. We have a lot right now. Get them in before we leave. An all-call episode with Joe and myself. 310-359-8365. And uh, that's it, man. Yeah. At Joe Prane on Instagram. At Fix Your Life on Twitter. If you want to share with me your uh, Dayton Flyers quarterback jersey, I'm here for you. Um, Follow me. You know who went to Dayton, don't you? And I think he might have played quarterback. Who's that? Grinder. Gruden? He went to Dayton. Oh man. I think he played quarterback. That's great. Good for good for good for Gruden. He's like, come on, can you imagine? Can you imagine <laughs> if I was still at Dayton getting just going out there signing jerseys for five dollars a pop? I, that's what I'm looking for in a quarterback. I, that's what I'm looking for when I go into the draft. I'm looking for a guy who didn't go to a major school and just grinded, went out there two hours before every game and charged everybody a buck to sign their jersey. Let's go. Give me a guy who's not afraid to use his right hand for 90 minutes before the game, signing mid-major jerseys, and then still going out there and slinging it. Follow us at The Dirty Sports on Instagram and Twitter. Apologies for this episode being cut off on YouTube. Uh, blame Evo, because it's on them. I, I thought you were about to say blame me. And I was like, yeah, blame Andy. Blame Mevo. Blame Mevo. Mevo. Twerks? Uh, follow me on Twitter at DS Interns and on Instagram at Aaron Maharis. And a little quarantine tip. Uh, if you guys are struggling financially and are in search of some Venmos, uh, a little fun thing I always do is uh, I'll send out friendship fees to friends. One dollar, two dollar. You're sending one dollar requests. Yeah, requests. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's just friendship fee with a little emoji of the guy. You know, the guy is holding hands or whatever. Um, I love it. So I usually would. Do, and most times, most of the times, like you know, they comply. Um, sometimes if I do f- for two dollars, a little bit of complaints, but you just say, you know price increase due to inflation or something like that i mean i don't know if you heard this this you're not the only person doing this they're the number three college basketball recruit this year just got some friendship fees from john calipari in his venmo totally legal now he and and he has committed unbelievable unbelievable joe prano guys thanks for sticking with us through all this crazy times stay safe and as always stay dirty